Well, good evening and welcome to our Bible study. And this evening we're going to continue our study through the book of Job. And we're going to read from Job 35. So, Job chapter 35. Do you think this is just? You say, I shall be cleared by God. Yet you ask him, what profit is it to me? And what do I gain by not sinning? I would like to reply to you and to your friends with you. Look up at the heavens and see. Gaze at the clouds so high above you. If your sin, how does if you sin, how does that affect him? If your sins are many, what does that do to him? And if you are righteous, what do you give to him? Or what does he receive from your hand? Your wickedness affects only a man like yourself, and your righteousness only the sons of men. Men cry out under a load of oppression. They plead for relief from the arm of the powerful. But no one says, Where is my God-maker? Who gives songs in the night? Who teaches more to us than to the beasts of the earth? And makes us wiser than the birds of the air? He doesn't answer when men cry out because of the arrogance of the wicked. Indeed, God doesn't listen to their empty pleas. The Almighty pays no attention to it. How much less, then, will he listen when you say that you do not see him, that your case is before him, and you must wait for him, and further that his anger never punishes, and he does not take the least notice of the wicked, so Job opens his mouth with empty talk. Without knowledge, he multiplies his words. Let's pray. Father, again, we come to you at the beginning of this our Bible study as we continue through this book of Job. We thank you for what we've gleaned already, and we pray that you might continue to teach us through these words. And we just ask for your guidance and your help as we do this, and we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, we're back to uh, Elio as he continues to speak to Job. Now, Elio, he has a lot to say and he's younger than the others. And he sees the opportunity when Job's three friends ran out of things to say. He's spoken to Eliphaz, Bildad, Zophar and Job. And then he turned to speak to those who had gathered around to witness these events. And now he will turn back to Job. And as he speaks to Job, you'll notice that he is well aware of the fact that he has an audience. Some of the questions that he raises are, what do you gain by doing good? Do you think that you deserve God's blessing? Can you earn God's blessings? See, Elio is prompted by what he believes Job meant when he said, and we need to refer back to some of the things that Job has said to understand what Elio is saying. So Job 21 and verse 15, Job said, Who is the Almighty that we should serve him, that we should gain by praying to him? And then in chapter 4, the previous chapter, verse 5 and 6, we're told by Elio that Job says, I am innocent, but God denies me justice, although I am right. I am considered a liar, although I am guiltless. His arrow inflicts an incurable wound. And then 
in verse 9 of chapter 34. Elihu is saying that Job has said there is no profit in trying to please God. So we now come to chapter 35 and verse 1 through to 3 is really the start of a really hard rebuke to Job. Elio is rebuking Job for what he believes he's been saying about God. So verse 1 to 3, then Elio said, Do you think this is just? You say, I am in the right, not God. Yet you ask him, what profit is it for me? And what do I gain by not sinning? So here he takes Job to task about the things that he has heard Job say. He's saying, do you think it's right for you to claim that you are righteous and that because of this you have the audacity to ask God to reward you for it? You know, the truth is when we look at this in the cold light of day, it is true that we cannot earn God's blessing. We do not deserve that God should bless us. And we shouldn't really expect God to bless us for being good people. But remember, Elihu is directing his accusations at Job. And he's going to point out to the vast difference that exists between Job and God. And this is a great distance between us and God. But the mistake that Elihu makes is that he, like Job's other friends, has drawn his own conclusions as to why Job is suffering. So let's continue into verse 4 through to 8. And if you want to put a heading on this, it's really in the opening words, because he's saying, Elihu is saying, I will tell you what I think. So verse 4. I would like to reply to you and to your friends with you. Look up at the heavens and see. Gaze at the clouds so high above you. If your sin if you sin, how does that affect him? If your sins are many, what does that do to him? If you are righteous, what do you give him? Or what does he receive from your hand? Your wickedness only affects humans like yourself, and your righteousness only other people. Now you've got to stop for a moment. Elihu here is not only uh, he not only makes this request for to Job for him to look up, he's also aware of those standing around, and he's extended that to Job's other three friends and the other people who might have gathered. So this invitation to look up is extended to those who are listening to him, and he's telling them to look up to heaven. And what he's doing, he's telling them to look up to God. And as you do, measure the distance between God and you. And then he wants Job to think about this. And what he's saying is, will your sin, no matter how bad that sin is, make any difference to God? Will it have the power to change God? And then he says, on the other hand, will your goodness, no matter how good it is, make any difference to God? Will he have the power to change him? He's saying, your sin, Job, doesn't damage God. Your goodness doesn't put God in any debt to you. He doesn't need anything from you. 
and you do not deserve anything from him. Remember who he is, and remember who you are. And in his sight, you are so small, and you are so insignificant. Whatever you do, whether it's good or bad, it has no effect on him. It only affects others who are like you. In other words, this is very harsh. He's saying, why should God have any interest in you? What can you give him that will be of any benefit to him? So how can you expect him to give you anything? He's saying really that God is unchangeable. That he's the same yesterday, today and forever. And this is true. But Elihu ignores the fact that God is also a loving God. He is a compassionate God. He is a God who cares. And he's not seeing the fact that Job is, in the eyes of God, a righteous man. You know, as believers, we can be thankful that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we're reminded of this uh, in the book of Hebrews. It's Hebrews 13, verse 7. You probably know this verse well. This is speaking of Jesus. Jesus, who is God? God with us. And this is what the writer of Hebrews says. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Christ Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. So Elio is not really saying that God doesn't care. He has actually taken it upon himself to speak to Job on God's behalf. And his error is that he sees Job as a helpless sinner who has nothing to offer God other than empty words. Words that tell God that he, Job, doesn't deserve to be treated the way he's being treated. And in fact, he feels that he should be rewarded by God. You know, just as there are many people who feel that the world owes them a living, there are many people who feel that God owes them a place in heaven. I was reminded when I was looking at this of the passage in Matthew chapter 19. You'll know the passage well. It's headed the rich young ruler. This is a man who came to Jesus believing that by keeping the commandments, he had earned a place in heaven. And his request was, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? You see, he was of the opinion that he'd done enough to earn his place in heaven. But of course, there's nothing that he could do other than, in his case, let go of the thing that was stopping him from putting his trust in Jesus and then following Jesus. Now, that's in the New Testament. Now, go, go back to the Old Testament and, and to Joel. With, with that in mind, Elio here has in mind people who call out to God but have no intention of acknowledging who God is. So we come to verse 9 through to 10, and Elihu is saying, don't expect God to answer you, Joel. Verse 9, people cry out under a load of oppression. They plead for relief from the arm of the powerful. So Elihu is saying, look, there are those 
who, when they are in trouble, expect God to deliver them on the basis that they have earned the right to be delivered. These people do not cry out in faith. They ask for what they think they deserve, but they don't acknowledge God or who God is. So verse 10, But no one says, Where is God my maker, who gives songs in the night? You know, this is a reminder of the nation of Israel. And if we go forward to that time after this book of Job, we can read all about that, how um, the Israelites constantly turned their back on God and then pleaded to him. But sometimes there was no faith in their cry. And Jeremiah, in Jeremiah chapter 2, if you read that, you'll see there's an occasion where God speaks to the nation Israel, the nation who have deserted him, and then they cry out to God, the God who they have rejected, and they wonder why he doesn't grant them an answer. This is how Eliu sees Job, a man who doesn't know the God he claims to be crying out to. Verse 2 um, Jeremiah 2 verse 6 Jeremiah said of the Israelites they didn't ask where is the Lord and then in verse 8 of that second chapter of Jeremiah he tells us the priests did not ask where is the Lord those who deal with the law did not know me this is what God says and in verse 27 of Jeremiah chapter 2 yet when they are in trouble, they say, come and save us. Let's go back to Job now, verse 11 through to 16. Now we can head this. This is the God that you should know. So he's saying to Job, look, this is the God that you should know. You don't know God, Job. You're just crying out in vain. This is the one. The one, verse 11, who teaches us more than he teaches the beasts of the earth and makes us wiser than the birds of the sky. Verse 12, he doesn't answer when people cry out because of the arrogance of the wicked. See what Elihu is saying, and he's aiming this at Job, saying to Job, those who expect God to give them what they ask because they feel that they have earned this, uh, this, they, they are saying, does God have an, an allegiance to them? They ask for what they feel they deserve. And they act as though God is indebted to them. You know, this is a little bit like the prosperity gospel, where people teach that, you know, you... You please God, and God will bless you because you've pleased him. You do good things, and God will bless you because you do good things. No, we please God because God deserves our pleasure of him. And God demands that we show his worthiness. Verse 13 of this chapter of Job, indeed God doesn't listen to their empty plea, the Almighty pays no attention to it. 14. How much less then will he listen when you say, 
that you do not see him, that your case is before him, and you must wait for him, and further, that his anger never punishes, and he doesn't take the least notice of wickedness. So Job opens his mouth with empty talk, without knowledge. He multiplies words. So as we come to the end of this passage, in other words, Job, this is what Elio's saying to him. And he's turning to the people and he's saying, you know what? Job has no knowledge of the true God. And because of that, his words are meaningless. So how can he expect God to answer him? We only have to go back to Job chapter 1 to see how wrong Elio is in his assumption of Job. So just as we close this evening, let's just remind ourselves of what we know from that very first chapter. You see, Job chapter 1, verse 20 through to 22. So verse 20. This is after Job has suffered and lost everything. At this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship. This is true worship. Verse 21 of that first chapter. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall depart. This is his humility. Humility in the presence of God, because he knows who God is. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. This is an acknowledgement of the authority of God. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. This is his praise given to a God who, in his own right, is worthy of his praise. You see, Job knows God. But more importantly, verse 8 of Job chapter 1, more importantly, God knows Job. Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. And now he's suffering. And now he's being wrongly accused and more or less mocked by his so-called friends. Just as we finish, a few thoughts. What do you gain by being good? Well, at best, approval from our fellow men. Do you think that you deserve God's blessings? Well, the answer's got to be no. But what we receive from God, we receive by means of his grace, both his common grace, as in Matthew chapter 5, verse 45, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. We all enjoy God's common grace. But then there's God's saving grace, as in Titus chapter 3, verse 5 to 7. He saved us, not because 
of righteous things that we had done. But because of his mercy, he saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Christ Jesus our Saviour, so that we have been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. Can you earn God's blessing? No. Ephesians 4, Ephesians 2, verse 8. For it's by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Does God care? Yes. Psalm 145, verse 9. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. So how does God show he cares and how does he show his love towards us? And with this verse, I'll finish for this evening. It's Romans 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we still were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we thank you again for the short time we've spent together as we've gathered around this chapter in the book of Job. And there are many things that this book can say to us, but all the way through it, we see something of you, the one who suffered in our place. And oh, Father, we pray that you will continue to teach us through your word. And as we take these things away this evening, that we might consider them in the light of who you are, the one who we know, the God who we worship, who we worship because he is the one who is worthy of our worship. We ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.